Uh, let's continue. We will start uh, in Luke chapter 19, uh, and we're going uh, through these encounters with Jesus. That is uh, what our sermon series is all about. Uh, and this morning, we're talking about this encounter that Jesus has uh, with Zacchaeus. And so if you've grown up in the church, uh, then you've probably heard this song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man, because uh, it says that he was a short man. And I can say that with confidence, uh, because in the first century, I would have been uh, gigantic. Uh, and so I could say that Zacchaeus was a short, short man, because I would have been huge in the first century. All right, so uh, the passage comes from Luke chapter 19, and what, I, what we're going to talk about today is, yes, we're going to talk about the, the story of Zacchaeus, uh, but we're also going to start talking about the crowd that was there. Uh, and, and I would argue, as we continue talking about Zacchaeus and his encounter with Jesus, that really our identification, uh, if we look closely, is going to be with the crowd. Uh, in better yet, the religious people. And so let's start in uh, Luke chapter 19. Let me read this. It says, he encountered Jesus. He encountered Jericho and was passing through it. Side note, he was passing through Jericho uh, to Jerusalem, knowing that uh, he was going to be executed. Um, and so he entered into Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a short man, short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by his way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, uh, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek, seek out and to save the lost. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we can learn from this story of Zacchaeus. We can learn from the story of the crowd and their reaction. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. God, how many times do we judge? How many times do we play, play the role of, of God? of you and forgive us for that sense of idolatry we repent we turn from that and may we humbly may we humbly see ourselves and others equally in the way that you have created us in your image in your name we pray amen uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen this video that was going viral this week, uh, but it's about a man named Ken Parker, uh, who was formerly a, a, uh, a proud uh, member of the, of the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK. And, and during this interview, uh, this, this journalist would ask him, like, what, is it, like, what made you want to do this? And he would uh, really have no excuses besides uh, his hatred towards particular people that look different than him. 
that had different skin color than him. And he would say, the reason why I hate them is because they've come in and they've, he's, according to him, they've taken all of our jobs. And he said, because of that, because of my hatred towards particularly the black community, this is what he said. He said, the KKK wasn't hateful or violent enough. And so he moved from the KKK and joined a particular Nazi group. Because of so much hatred he had for these people. And we look at this story and we understand that this person, Ken Parker, had no other reason, zero, no other reason to hate these people group aside from the way they looked. Aside from the fact that they just looked differently from Ken Parker. Different skin tone, different place of neighborhood, of residence, different jobs. And I look at that story, uh, and there's this level of identification. Now, now, for the most of us, I would affirm uh, that we are not racist to this level, right? That so much so that we would join a the KKK or the not or whatever group it is or some other hate group. Like I know that that's not us. But as we look at this story, I can't help but to still see. Is there a way, not only can we identify with him, but as we read this story, identify with the crowd? Because I'll say the connection is this. The connection is there's this level of judgment, both from, from, from this Ken Parker gentleman uh, and from this person that sees Jesus uh, going into a house of a sinner. Though we may not be like this individual, filled with so much hate and anger, but, but I bet if we look at the deepest part of our souls, the way we can identify, not only with Ken Parker, but with the crowd, the religious people of Jesus' day, saying, Jesus, essentially, how are you going to spend time with these people? How are you going to spend time with this person? Do you know what he's done? Do you know what he looks like? Do you know what he's been through? And you're going to go to his house and, and be friends with him? And though we may not be able to resonate exactly the way they live their lives, I bet if we looked at the deepest part of our souls and were just absolute honest with ourselves, we can identify with this idea of, of, of judgmentalism. At the heart of both of these people, and for many of ours, there's this plague, this toxic disease of judgmentalism that resides in our hearts that destroys our relationships. And essentially what I believe, and I'll submit to you that uh, being judgmental is this. It's we are raising our own humanity while lowering the humanity of others. What judgmentalism is doing is when we practice being judgmental, when we, when we step into that lens, what's happening is we are raising ourselves in order to lower the humanity of others. In other words, we may say something like, and maybe not out loud, but I'm better than you. Or maybe by saying that we are better than somebody, we're saying we're more of a human than somebody, and therefore that person is lesser of a human. That's essentially what judgmentalism is. And I feel like, if we're being honest with, with ourselves, we've done that before. In fact, we might be doing it right now, and you can name particular people or people groups that we do that with. 
Maybe it's someone that voted differently than you. There's a, there's a cast of judgment. Maybe someone that looks differently. Maybe it is skin color. Maybe it's someone that looks or, or speaks a different language or, or came from a different country than you and you cast judgment and you may not say this out loud, but what we're saying is we're more of a human and you are lesser of a human. Maybe it's based on someone's gender. Maybe it's based on someone who they choose to love and you are saying I'm more of a human because the way I do it is better and more right than you. So then I would say we have something to learn this morning. Because I think it's true for the most of us, for many of us, we can resonate with the idea of oftentimes having this attitude of judgment. Raising ourselves up and seeing others as lower is dehumanizing. And essentially, it's idolatry. We're playing the role of judge. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we understand that there's only one judge, and that's God. That's God, and yet we play the role of God. And what is that? That's idolatry. That's the very sin, that's the very first sin that Adam and Eve committed, said, I want to be like God. And for many of us, we look at these stories of Ken Parker, we look at the story of even the crowd in Zacchaeus, and we say, you know what, at least that's not me. I'm not blatantly racist, I'm not blatantly hateful, but let me ask you this. I think we'd be disillusioned to feel like we're not judgmental people, especially if you call yourself a Christian. This is me included, because if you take look at any poll, any research Uh, If you've talked to anyone that doesn't go to a church, they would say that the number one reason that people, whether they're even self-identified as a Christian or not, that they wouldn't go to church or they don't like church because the church is filled with judgmental people. And I'm not making an indictment because I would say, this is myself. And, and, and what comes, the dangerous part of what comes with judgmental is hypocrisy. Those things, those two things are very, very deeply connected. And so I would really submit to you that this affects all of us. And this is a reality for all of us. People around us tell us so. And so what is it about Zacchaeus that people just completely despise? And so let's look at the story a little bit. And again, in chapter 19, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus was going through Jericho where, where, uh, where Zacchaeus was. And it's no accident that Luke says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now, here's the deal with Zacchaeus' job as a tax collector. It's this. Uh, All the ancient Near East was under Roman occupation, was uh, was ruled by the Roman Empire. And what Rome Caesar, the king, would do is he would hire uh, especially Jewish tax collectors in different regions of the ancient Near East, and here particularly uh, in Jericho. And he hires Zacchaeus, and really along with many other Jewish people, saying, here, uh, if you were not uh, Roman, you have to pay a tax. You have to pay a tax to Rome. And so the way that they collected the tax was to hire tax collectors in every region. 
And he hired Zacchaeus. And the reason why people were uh, attracted to this occupation is because Rome would say, <coughs> look, I'm going to hire you as a tax collector. All I want is X amount. I just need you to collect X amount for Rome, for the Roman Empire. Uh, but whatever you charge, you can charge uh, in excess. You can charge extra. And, and whatever you charge extra from what we want, you can just keep it. That's the incentive of, of working for Rome. And, and so like many, Zacchaeus said, yes. And, and story after story, the reason why tax collectors were so despised is because they were a bit of a traitor. So what Zacchaeus, a Jewish person, would go into the Jewish community uh, and not only collect tax for Rome, but would charge a little extra in order for him to gain that extra wealth. And so you could imagine the reputation that Zacchaeus had. You can imagine uh, the lack of community. You can imagine people uh, not only disliking him, but having this absolute utter hatred towards Zacchaeus. Uh, and I would argue that even with his own, within his own community, he was seen as a less human individual. Because you can imagine them saying, oh man, do you know what Zacchaeus does as a chief tax collector? He rips us off. He's greedy. He doesn't care about others. He's selfish. And so therefore, he is a sinner and we don't want to associate with him. And then it says, shockingly, that Jesus, this great teacher, this rabbi, and says, Zacchaeus, I need to come into your house tonight. And Zacchaeus says, yes, yes. You can see then the people start to sense a sense of judgmentalism. It says in verse 7 that uh, all who began to grumble, and all is an exaggeration. All, which Luke is talking about, is all the religious people. Not even the entire crowd, it's actually the religious people. The religious people looks at what's happening and he says, he is, he, they grumble, they complain. He has gone to be a guest of one who is a sinner. And my point even today is that what if, what if our identification is not, not just with Zacchaeus who repents, who changes his ways, but what if our identification is actually with these religious people? Again, have you ever judged someone from the way they looked, from who they loved, from who they voted for, from what gender they are, from what they've done, from what political perspective they might have. I mean, if you are on social media as much as I am, then, you, then you've seen that people do. Maybe you've been that person based off of someone thinking differently than you. And for a lot of us, I remember even Starbucks having this training uh, that people from our congregation, like Jeremy, was a huge part of. They had this uh, racial bias training because they understood. They understood that the way humanity works, unfortunately, there are times where even uh, consciously or subconsciously, we judge people, particularly with that, uh, based on uh, skin color. And, and so maybe... the. 
that might not resonate with you, but what are ways that we, that you, that I, that us as a church has judged somebody? We essentially lowered their humanity, dehumanized them in order for us to raise our own self up. And I love in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, it says this, Do not judge so that you may not be judged. Because only God is the judge, right? For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you seek, this is important, verse 3, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is still in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's. Uh, I, I would say when I read this, yes, it's about judgment. Yes, it's about uh, when someone is doing wrong or, or when someone is sinning against God or their neighbor or their friends. Uh, it's saying before you call them out on their wrongdoing, take a look at your own self. Yes, it is, it is about that. This story is about that. And I would say this story is about Jesus saying, you know what? We need to see everybody the way that God sees everybody. That every single person was created in the image of God. That includes ourselves. That includes others that may look or think or feel or smell differently than you. And so if that's the case, we're all on equal playing grounds here. We're all on equal grounds. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all do good things. We all do bad things. We're all in this together. And I really believe Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, chapter 7, verse 3 is about that. Jesus is reminding people, hey, wait a minute. Before you call somebody else out on anything, I just need you to remember that we're all on equal grounds, that you are created in the image of God. That person is created in the image of God. That person you don't like is created in the image of God. That person that you're angry with, that person that looks differently, that person that speaks a different language than you, We're all created in the image of God. And so before you cast judgment, you need to look at that. You need to look at that. And so there's this clear application that I would argue is that kind of like a car. When you drive a car, there's sometimes warning signals that come on, right? And if you're anything like me, you you ignore it. Or if you hear a weird noise or a ring, you just turn up the radio, so that way there's nothing wrong. If you're like me, you do that. But but I would submit to you, don't do this. Here, here, when the Bible says, you gotta see everyone with with equal eyes. And and I would say this, the moment that we feel like we're looking through a lens of judgment, of judgmentalism, or or feeling judgy, whatever, however you want to call it, the moment you feel that coming on, let that be a warning to you. Like, let that be a warning bell that's coming on for you, for me, for all of us, to then grab a mirror. To look at our own lives. To be introspective. Because I would argue that that changes everything. Just like a car warning or a car light that goes on. The moment that you feel 
like you are casting judgment on somebody or feeling judgmental, I would say this, that is the precise moment for you to sit back and say, okay, where, what about me? Am I being judgmental? Am I also making mistakes? Am I also human? Are they human? And that's a scary, scary thing for us to grab a mirror and to look at ourselves and to be honest with ourselves. And sometimes that feels really scary. That feels really scary. Because then we have to confront our own issues. We have to confront our own sins. We have to confront our own prejudice, racism, sexism, whatever you want to say. We have to confront that. When we take the lens off of somebody else and look at our own selves in the mirror. And I love when Jesus was talking. This is the challenge he has uh, for all the people that are listening. He says to Zacchaeus, what verse is it? He says, says, then Jesus said uh, to him, to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. I love what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is speaking to Zacchaeus, because even before that, he says this. He says, uh, then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to you. So he says, Zacchaeus, today, guess what? Because you have repented, because you have acknowledged even your own wrongdoing, he says, uh, forgiveness and salvation, freedom. Salvation isn't just about this place you go after you die. It's about this new free life, liberated life that you get to live uh, that John talks about in John uh, chapter 4. He says, uh, or John, John chapter 10, he says, I've come to give you life, not just life, but abundant life. And he says, and wait, one way to have abundant life is to free yourself from having to, to, to judge people. To free yourself from having to put yourself on a pedestal. To free yourself from pushing someone else down because they might be different than you. That's exhausting. And he says, Zacchaeus, because you've acknowledged that today, you have received salvation. And I love what Jesus does. He's a little bit subversive here. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm talking to you. You have received salvation. And then he says, because, he changes the pronoun. He says, because he too is a son of Abraham. Because he too is a son of Abraham. He is not just an outcast. He is not just considered a sinner. He is not just a tax collector. He is family. He is one of us. And Jesus is challenging, calling out the entire crowd through talking to Zacchaeus. It's like he's talking to Zacchaeus, but he wants everybody to hear. Today, salvation has come to you, and he is the son of Abraham. He is your brother. He's talking to Jewish people. He is your brother. He is family. We are on equal grounds. And this was a big statement because remember, let's go back to verse 1. He says, Jesus was passing through Jericho. Something we have to know about Jericho was that it was a very Jewish region. 
That's where many of the Jews hung out and lived. In fact, it was a very important Jewish city because Jericho was the first city that uh, the, Israel, the ancient Israelites occupied when, Jesus, when God says, you will go to a land filled with milk and honey. The first land that they arrived to was Jericho. Jericho had significant Jewish history, uh, historical value. This is where they lived. And he says to the people of Jericho, this tax collector is on equal playing grounds. He is one of you. He is a brother. He is family. And that is the challenge for all of us, those that uh, we might subconsciously or consciously cast judgment on. I would say that God is saying that person that you were casting judgment on is created in my image just like you. And yet so many times we can be like the crowd, the religious people. And begin to grumble. And be like this religious people that says, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. We are oftentimes like the crowd. And I would argue, instead of being like the crowd, what if we were like Zacchaeus? Out of all the people, even the religious people, the so-called religious people, the person who gets it is not the religious people, surprisingly, not, or not so surprisingly, but it's Zacchaeus. And he says this, he says, Jesus, look, half of all my possessions, because he was a wealthy man, half of all my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. I love his repentant heart. And Jesus says, if you want to be free, if you want salvation, the, this uh, idea of shalom, salvation and shalom are very deeply connected. Shalom from the very Old Testament saying, if you want peace from inside out, from head to toe, if you want to receive that kind of life, that kind of salvation, <clears throat> we must repent. See, the people uh, that were casting judgment, that were saying, Jesus, how dare you follow these people? That's not a repentant heart. And out of anyone that we should be like, it's not the religious people, it's actually Zacchaeus who gave up. He says, not only I'll give up half of everything I have, I'll give back, <coughs> excuse me, four times uh, back to the people I've ripped off. Now, here's the deal. In Leviticus, the Old Testament, in the Holiness Code, if you've stolen from somebody, you would have to give back four times, 400% of what you've stolen. So if I've stolen one ox, this is a real thing, it says if you steal one ox, uh, you have to confess, <clears throat> and you have to give back four times uh, of what you've stolen. But here's the deal. That is only if you have been charged. <clears throat> that is if you've actually committed a crime. Now, in the Old Testament, the same Levitical code, it says, but if you've just done somebody wrong, if you've just been unfair to somebody, you have to give back that one plus one-fifth. So we got to do a little bit of math right now. So if you have just simply wronged somebody, you have to repay them uh, uh, one-fifth of how you've been unfair. 
But if you've actually broken the law and stolen, you have to give back 400%. See, there's a big difference here. Now, fast forward to uh, the, this story here where all the rules still apply. Technically, Zacchaeus didn't break any rules. Zacchaeus didn't break any laws. He, he, was, not, he was actually not a criminal. Unfair? Yes. Unjust and immoral? Sure. A jerk? Yeah. But, but he didn't break any laws. And yet what he humbly said to himself is that though I should or I'm supposed to only give back uh, one-fifth of how I've been unfair, defrauded, he says, I'm going to treat myself as a criminal. I'm going to see myself not just in, in, in this place where I'm supposed to be, but even lower than that. And I'm going to repay four times. That's something that a criminal would do. And he says, that's what I'm going to do. And and it's through that humility of not only seeing himself as above somebody, not only even as equal playing ground, but he would be so humble that he would even see himself lower. And it's that kind of attitude that Jesus says, today, salvation has come to you. And so this morning, I just want to invite for all of us to be real honest with ourselves. Who are the people that we've, that we've judged? And, and when I say judge, who are the people that we ha- have elevated our own humanity by pushing down their own? And I bet if we're being honest with ourselves, we can think of a person. We can think of a people group. I don't know what it is. Who are those people? Because I would say, let's not be like the crowd. Let's be like Zacchaeus, humble ourselves, and be on equal grounds with even the very people that we dislike, that look different, that make different life choices. And now I'm not saying that there shouldn't be accountability, that there shouldn't be truth-telling, because absolutely, and yes, that's an, an entire different sermon, but yes, that is true. And when we do that, where is that place coming from? Is it a place of love? Is it a place of viewing the other on the equal ground, or is it you above telling that person how wrong they are? There's a big difference. And so what are the ways that we are like this crowd, this religious people? Because I'm envisioning a church. I'm envisioning not just our church, but the church, the Christian church. Uh, with so much media behind the Christian church of being so judgmental, being so hypocritical, being so hateful. And, and for the most part, we can't deny that. And that makes me so upset because I believe in the church. I lo- that's why I'm here. That's why I'm pastoring. And I'll still believe the church to the day I die. But my hope is that we can be a church, a collection of individuals that would see ourselves like Zacchaeus did, that would bring our own selves down, not in a self-deprecating way, but in a way that says, you know what? We are all created in the image of God. And I promise you that changes everything. That brings upon salvation, this freedom with our own selves. 
And God has the power to do that. As I invite the worship band uh, back up, I just want to go back to that story of Ken Parker, the, African, the, uh, the, the white male who was a KKK member, a Nazi member, who was actually a big part of the Unite the Right in Charlottesville uh, a year and a half ago. Funny thing is, seven months after that rally, just seven months, he encountered a black pastor. The pastor invited him to his church. And for whatever reason, he decided to go, he and his wife. Seven months after that hateful rally that he was, he was a part of, he joined that church. He accepted Jesus. He denounced the KKK. And he got baptized. Look at this picture. That's a beautiful picture. That's the picture of, of God's power of reconciliation. That's the power of God's forgiveness for us and ability to understand that when we push away our judgment, beautiful things happen. Relationships amend. Relationship to God, relationship to ourselves, relationship to others, it mends when we remove this idea of judgment that we are God, that we are above and the other people are down. May we be like Zacchaeus. It'll, it'll be hard. Because here's the deal. For those of us, for those of you that have experienced the power that maybe the system gives you, maybe that you were just naturally privileged with, when we bring ourselves down, when you bring yourself down to be equal with those that you may not understand or like, that feels like oppression. To the privileged, to the majority, to those that have power, uh, to seek equity feels like oppression. And so my challenge for all of us, especially if you are in that role, to be convicted that equity it just means that all of us we are created in the image of God. We all deserve the same love because God loves us equally. That we are all sinners, that we all make mistakes equally, maybe in different ways. I love what Philip Yancey says in, in one of his books. He says, Christians, we're just uh, people that get mad at other sinners because they sin differently than us. Christians are oftentimes people that get angry with sinners because they sin differently than us. And that's all that equity is saying, is that we're all created in the image of God. So can we view one another in that image, through that lens? Because if we do, it's beautiful. It changes everything. Zacchaeus says, you know what? Here's what I'm supposed to give up, but I'm going to give up four times as more. Because he understood the idea that equity is not oppression for him. It's obedience. And it's a whole other term, but he gives this idea of reparation. What he's taken, what he's stolen, he's giving back. Not just giving back, but repairing by offering gifts. May we be like Zacchaeus. 
May we put our lens of judgment down. May we put that at the foot of the altar so God can replace that with the lens of of humanity, the way that God created everyone in his own image, in God's own image. And that, through that, we will receive salvation. There's so much salvation there. There's so much freedom there. May we be like that. Let's pray. God, thank you that you've created all of us in your own image, whether we love them, whether we're angry with them. God, we can even think of the person that we don't like. Maybe we can think of the person that we're actually angry with at this moment. May that be a warning sign that says, I need to look in a mirror and face my own stuff. Because when we face our own stuff, it makes it easier for us to view others on the same grounds on equal grounds that we're just one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. God, convict us of that. Show people that we have judged unfairly. And may we repair those relationships with love and sacrifice and servanthood. Forgive us for the ways that we failed. Forgive us for the ways that we have played God the ultimate sin, idolatry, the very sin that was introduced through Adam and Eve through all the beginning of humanity. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.